Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I don't necessarily think DeSantis would be a step back in terms of the share of politics, and it's not because of Ron DeSantis, okay? So it's not, it's not because of Ron DeSantis' past. There's, there are plenty of things that are concerning about his foreign policy record, and there's plenty of things concer- concerning about his backers, his donors, and what have you. I don't think the Republican Party, as it currently stands, would let him be that bad on foreign policy. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Oh, of course, there he goes already. My dog ruining the podcast. This is episode 168 of Liberty and Health. Today, I have Kenny Cody with me. Um, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? How are you doing tonight? Um, excellent. It's um kind of getting a little bit nicer here in Pennsylvania. It's it's cold, but not too too cold. So like sure. good enough that um you know I don't hate my life and it hurts to exist when you're outside. Um. Yeah. yeah, man. So um, anyways, give a brief introduction of yourself, who you are and what you do. I've read a few of your articles and seen you on a few podcasts and I enjoyed um, every single one of them. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So um, I know it's a long way to just ask you for an introduction, but yeah, take it away. I appreciate it, Kyle. Um, my name is Kenny Cody. I'm a, a columnist for a couple of different websites. So the National Pulse is kind of what I put a few pieces out uh, more recently, but I usually have pieces featured in Newsmax.com, Townhall.com. The Washington Examiner, um, I've had a couple pieces published in the Tennessean, in the Knoxville News Sentinel. So conservative columnist, um, also the chairman of the Cock County GOP um, here in Cock County, Tennessee, in East Tennessee. Um, I'm the southern director for the Republicans for National Renewal, which is a uh, national populist leaning organization uh, designed to lead the right kind of Republicans into elected office. And I'm an economics teacher, actually, at my high school in East Tennessee, my alma mater, Cosby High School. Um, 20, 27 years old. Well, I, I'm 27 years old. I'm 26, about to be 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, kind of a young guy. We got involved in freelance uh, conservative uh, calming or freelancing uh, overall back about probably three years ago or a little bit in college, but uh, nothing really professional and nothing of a, a opinion until a couple of years ago. But uh, started being a conservative movement man, proud member of the GOP, proud member of the Republican Party, and uh, just trying to get the right kinds of Republicans elected because God knows I have my qualms and my uh, qualms with each of them so mm-hmm. yeah of course um i think as we all do so um i would consider myself an anarcho-capitalist at heart and i know that you fancy yourself a libertarian as well but you see the republican party's most viable strategy which um 
I've had my mind changed on quite a bit over the last year, especially ever since starting this podcast and the conversations I've had with um, many, many incredible people. And obviously some of the conversations that you've had as well has kind of um, given me a good look on it. And what I've come to appreciate about you in particular, um, listening to you on Brian Nichols show is that you have, and with Larry Sharp, that was right. Um, you have a very somber look at politics and you don't get very emotional and it is something that's very emotional, but what I, like I said, what I respect about you is that you're not just this hyperbolic, hyperpartisan kind of person. You lay out the polling and the data and the things that you understand about the party clearly and kind of make your judgment calls from there, which um, sounds boring and not sexy to most people. But um, for me, you know, I, I kind of, I've been political most of my life, but I really started studying nutrition research recently. And that really has given me a, a, a bigger appreciation for people who are able to you know parse through data and make conclusions based on that rather than just their feelings so um i know i threw a little bit of a lot at you there but um i just want to say i i appreciate your outlook so um was there any kind of thing that really attracted you to the republican party versus the libertarian party um i mean just to be quite honest man i mean in in the east tennessee and especially tennessee in particular there are two parties right and and i i'm willing to admit in my own county we're a 80 20 county republican wise and sure but to see the amount of change and to see the amount of i guess moreover just changing of voice when it, when it, in the republican party has kind of let me know that people can change it i mean if you look at the example that I always point to, and I, one of my main topics and one of my main um, issues that I concentrate on more than anything is foreign policy. And um, I'm an anti-war guy, anti-interventionist. Um, wasn't always like that, really, probably until I got into my adulthood and started, you know, reading people like Scott Horton. Um, but to see the Republican Party go from voting 100% uh, for the AUMF to seeing around 46 to 50 Republicans in the U.S. Congress vote for the repeal in 2022, um, 2021, I'm sorry, um, kind of lets me know that it, it, it could change really quickly and that people like me, and I'm not, not just saying like me, but people of my like mindset um, can have a real impact on what, what, what we want the party to be. Because I think we all, like libertarians, populists, um, even some moderates and neoconservatives can all agree that the, that the scope of government is far too large. And I think that through seeing how fast the Republican Party has changed on so many issues, even from 2016 till now, which is it, people don't realize how short of a year and how short of a uh, time period seven years really is in terms of a Republican Party that's la that's been here for 200 years. Um, I think you can have a real impact if you just look at the issues and how to appeal to people. And I know that the word populist oftentimes gets a negative connotation. And trust me, I understand why you think economic populism. You think you know Republicans that embrace like universal health care and tax and, and you know, higher taxes on billionaires and things like that. I know, I know that word's very toxic to some people, but to me, all populism is, is just a way to appeal to people's problems, right? Like identifying problems that everyday Americans are struggling with and finding the solutions for whatever your philosophy is. I mean, our philosophy is, is less government. Um, and the, the definition of populism itself is the elite versus the common man. Right. And the elite doesn't have to be billionaires. It doesn't have to be. And although it sometimes is, I mean, the elite sometimes big tech It's these big corporations and sometimes it is billionaires and millionaires. But the way I always define it and how the Republican Party is continuing to define it is things like the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, these powerful politicians in D.C. that dictate every single portion of our lives. And even in, at the state level, I mean, during the COVID-19 policy, the elite wasn't billionaires during COVID-19. Mm -hmm. 
The elite was the state government-led authoritarians that were cracking down and trapping us in our homes. That's who the elite are. That's who the elite always has been, is these people who are in power, whether it is millionaires, whether it is billionaires, whether it is large government bureaucrats, they are the elite, not, not the common man. So when I hear populism, I don't think badly, and I think that's where the Republican Party is kind of going, is – knowing what kind of issues matter to people and identifying what issues matter to people because for so many years it seems like the republicans were always the bankers right like to the common man to the independent the republicans are who you trust with your money and nothing else but now on culture issues on crt on you know anti-marxism and and trying to be anti-progressive anti-leftism as a cultural phenomenon republican party is really starting to kind of figure out that People don't like this stuff like the, the independent voter are not they're, they're not crazy. They're not leftist. They're not progressive. They're just normal people. And I think a lot of the left and a lot of the Democrats are trying to make it about an adaptation to cultural Marxism. And the Republicans are finally going, no, like we're all about gov- small government and things like that. But you're not just going to expose my child to this kind of stuff, whether it's in a public setting, a publicly funded infrastructure or a public school system or a private school system. Like we're not going to allow you to pretty much you know infiltrate our, our children's minds with this cultural marxism so republicans are finally adapting to the culture and i think that for so many years we were just like all right we don't care what you do you know we don't care what you do don't do this to my you know whatever but now we're kind of going like all right like we're very pro less government i am very pro less government but i'm also protected by my family and when i ever eventually do have a wife and when i eventually do have children i want those people protected and i think that republicans are trying to find that fine line between as less government as possible while still winning that sort of cultural war that Republicans have to fight at this point. It's nothing that we want to fight. We don't want to be fighting fighting for our children in the trenches, but we have to at this point, right? So trying to understand what people care about, trying to make sure that people know the Republicans are not just solely about money, but we're about fighting on behalf of you against the government. And I think that's kind of what my direction for the party is, at least for now. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there and a lot of stuff I also kind of want to unpack. So um, let's start with first things first, as you brought up foreign policy. Um, There's – I do like the fact that at least one of the talking points surrounding Donald Trump was that he um, he didn't start any new wars. But um, I feel like a lot of this – a lot of his big foreign policy blunders kind of go unnoticed where – um, we have the military build up against China, who Biden has accelerated um, way more than Trump ever did. Um, the trade wars, which was um, paid for a majority by Americans. I mean, there was a report done that said Americans paid for 94% of the tariffs. And and I think you laid out, or and I'm going to assume that you weren't in favor of tariffs, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but um, there were also some, some stuff down in South America. And I'm not saying that you're for any of this stuff, but um, this is something that's kind of made me very reluctant to give full throat endorsements to the Republican Party because I see a lot of stuff that I like, but um, it just seems like this China hawkishness and this Iran hawkishness, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, it really pushes me away from them because um, a lot of their claims about both of these countries fall apart under very, very minimal scrutiny, and um, these are wars that would just be absolutely catastrophic for you know, the American government and Americans as a whole. So um, to you, what would you advise people do who kind of want to change the party? Would you say they should get involved or, um, you know, how could we kind of move them a little bit more towards the Ron Paul-esque approach? Or do you feel like maybe 
I'm incorrect here. I'm open to, you know, whatever your thoughts are. Um, I, I, I think it's, 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 there's, a few there's a few different things that I would say. So for one, I, I don't think the tariffs have, have worked and we haven't seen evidence that they've worked. So sure. until the policy works in trade, then I'm against it, right? But mm -hmm. one thing that I would encourage in terms of China hawkishness, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm not for any sort of intervention with it when it comes to foreign policy, but sure. ban foreign land ownership in the United States. Like there's no reason the CCP should be owning land in Tennessee. Okay, well, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, go ahead. they own less than a half of 1% of all the land in sure. the and there are plenty of other countries in mm -hmm. Europe who own way, way more, and Canada yes. owns more than China. Yes, so they do. my problem with this is that they solely focus on China, who actually mm -hmm. they require a lot of importing in order to mm -hmm. kind of even run their economy. Sure. So it's just really convenient that the military industrial complex's main target is China. And yes. they laid this out very, very clearly. Mm -hmm. And once again, and I I'm not trying to pin you into this corner, but no, you're good. Um it's just they carry water for literally the worst people in this regards, and they just focus on China when there's, you know, other countries that do the same things, but we just always focus on China, who just so happens to be the military industrial complex's main target. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's no, just fine. it's it's frustrating for me because I want yeah, to like these yeah. people, but you know, I I, I understand your point. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's just when we have a lot of evidence. In terms of like like TikTok, for example, right? Like like TikTok, if you look at the term the terms and services of, of the application, it's it's damning, right? Like like all this information, the okay, the, but, app, the app tracing, the, yeah. the the keyboard strokes, everything that they track. I mean, it's it's but insane. The, that and, and, private and, and, information is stored in servers here in the U.S. Though that, that's as recently, absolutely they do. Mm -hmm. But it, the, but the problem is they're not owned by the United States government, just like like they're owned by the. Chinese government and they're that, owned by dance who right right yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's mainly my problem is sure. when I see these countries that have private land ownership with Canada and everything now I'm, I'm against a lot of it in general and don't get me wrong if they have human rights mm -hmm. violations and they're stealing information from Americans and they're using it against us then mm -hmm. yes I'm all for about foreign land ownership sure. in general I didn't just say China foreign land ownership but if they're invading on privacy rights like the NSA does mm -hmm. then I'm all for banning the whatever countries foreign yeah. land owner, yeah no I, I yeah we agree yeah, yeah. And, and that's my thing is and if it and the thing about it, kyle you said that you know that they own they own you know less than i think you said like five five three or four percent then i don't see a, a problem in banning them if that mm -hmm. if they if they sure. own that little yeah um i mean i mean bill bill gates is i would i would like us to, us to ban bill gates from <laughs> farmland too so i mean right. it's, it's not just it, there, there's nothing that i want to trigger china to have us this sort of military sure. intervention i don't want us to get involved in the taiwanese war i don't want us to put boots there's a lot of republicans i and i'm against those too that want to put boots yeah. on the ground to protect taiwan i don't want to do that in the same reason i don't want yeah. to protect ukraine from russia yeah. I, I i mean in the same way but ultimately it's hard for me to sit here and say and be as anti um nanny state as i am i'm very anti-nsa i'm anti-fbi i'm anti-cia invading mm -hmm. on privacy rights right mm -hmm. in that same way I, I want to make sure that china is not doing the same thing to americans and mm -hmm. trying to ban it in that same way i don't want privacy rights about that's what we're, we're, I, want the, I want the church committee that thomas maxey is going to lead in the u.s congress hopefully yeah. in this in this next session mm -hmm. so i'm for yeah, whatever he's right he's he's fantastic and i hope that, that mccarthy tabs him as the leader of the church committee or the chairman of the church committee right so in that same way that i want those rights protected and i want those violations to be out in the american public i'm all for protection of privacy rights for americans mm -hmm. so if that means banning china china who is using our information against us overseas or that's against the nsa the cia and the 
FBI doing the same thing and invading privacy rights where we can't even be safe in our own homes and feel safe, that we're not being spied on by our own government. No matter what what kind of privacy we're protecting, whether it's our own sure. government or a foreign one, I'm for protection. And that's I think that's a that's an understanding where I tell people this all the time. I am not anti-defense. Right. Mm -hmm. Like like if 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 an American is being harmed, I'm for retaliation. Absolutely. No matter what. Right. Like and and that's I think where anti-interventionists and and, and are called anti-isolationists all the time Mm -hmm. is when we start saying we're for any fight back. We're for we're against defense. Like that's that's the that's the point where we kind of lose credibility as anti-war people. Right. So if I I cannot sit here and tell and when I am I was a debater in college and when I have to explain my positions to people and I have to say I am for protecting the privacy rights of Americans. That's why Mm -hmm. I'm NSA. That's why anti-NSA, CIA, nanny state whatever i can't then there sit here simultaneously and go well i don't want to punish china and i don't want to ban ownership from china when they're the ones also doing the spying i can't be okay with china doing it through applications that our children are having on their phones that 12 and 13 year olds have on their phones and our and information that my child that my hypothetical child mm-hmm. is giving over to the chinese government i can't say i don't want to do anything about that and at the same time be anti-nsa i have to be consistent and that's one thing I, I, that i wish republicans would be mm-hmm. is intellectually consistent sure. and if I am anti-90 state, if I, I do want to protect privacy rights, I have to be for the protection against both. And that's my main reason that why people like Blake Masters and others have talked about banning land ownership from, from the Chinese, the CCP. When we see these human rights violations and we see these privacy right violations of Americans happening at our own women, our own funding and our, you know, our celebrities, our, these, our corporations here in the United States actually making TikTok accounts and promoting the application on the World Wide Web and on television. When this is being promoted in our culture, we have to do something about it and i and, and i'm not i'm not going to say that the, that we shouldn't do something against the nanny state as well we have to be right. intellectually consistent and sure. that's why i'm for the, i'm for protecting privacy rights of americans on both sides i am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor i am now working with mts nutrition which is a brand that i've believed in for a very long time and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products so um i want to tell you about their amazing protein powder which you're going to ask me how many pounds i have of the protein powder and the answer all of them so here I got red velvet cake 25 grams of protein and they have the amino acids and everything on there 59 servings peanut butter fluff uh, fluffer nutter 26 grams of protein and then also the chocolate chip cookie which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there so 27 grams of protein 180 as I've talked about on the show getting your protein in is very very important so make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS nutrition Boom! Okay, yeah, and I think that's a very understandable position. I I overall agree with you. I don't think people should use TikTok, but um, I, I just can't say I've seen any damning evidence that China is using that information. I mean, what what are they gonna do? Sell this microphone for a little bit cheaper? And I mean, maybe there's something I'm missing here. But once again, all the info that they have access to is the info that they could see on your Facebook or stuff like that. Um, because once again, we worked out the deal, um, I think it was over a couple months ago, where all that private information once again stored on US servers. And then there was actually a situation where a few employees had hacked in and actually got to some private information, they were immediately fired from the company. So um, and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but um, once again, if there's something I'm missing here, I, I just I'm very careful about this, and I, I try to approach this as I would approach anything else. Like, could I prove this in a court of law? And to me, it seems like 
there isn't a lot of evidence for this, but a lot of people wave their hands about it. And it's any last little thing that China does, we're going to pick up on it and try to poke them in the eyes. Well, and and I, like I said, I understand that point. And I, I would have to see more evidence before I'm willing to support a policy where, okay, we're going to ban this state's ownership. We're going to ban this sure. farmland, whatever. Right. But I think okay. that we, we have to have sort of, sort of this protectionist ideology in saying, okay, what is the land going to be used for, right? Like we okay, don't want yeah, to just sell totally land fair. in general, mm-hmm. and, and that's not happening right now. Like, yeah. like, 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 can can me or you sit here and tell us why Bill Gates is buying farmland in Kansas? Like <laughs> that's no, like we have no, we it's have no. Probably proof. not good though, right? It's probably not good. And, and the last majorities of land, like, yeah. like, like, if if, if it's if it, if a, if the a, a duck quacks, what is it going to be? It's a it's a duck, right? So mm-hmm. we have to kind of look at what the purpose of this is going to be. CCP yes. is purchasing land for bad reasons, okay, right. to get an upper hand on the American. American economy to get an upper hand on the American citizen, yeah. let's ban it, right? Like that's not that's not a hard position to take. But no, I don't think so either. So so that's sort of where I am is sure. if I've seen enough to where I think that their intent is going to be bad. There's no because re- it's a privilege to own land here in the United States, right? right. There's, I mean, there, there's plenty. I don't own land. Right. Like I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I don't own land. Mm-hmm. So I, if, if I can, if there's reasons why I can't own land for whether it is expenses or laws or whatever, nobody's mm-hmm. going to be willing to sell it to me. I should be allowed to own it. So I don't believe it's It's that hard of a position to take, especially if it's a minute part of the ownership of the United States. Mm-hmm. Let's ban it just in case. Like, right. Like, I, like, I, like, I just think that there are, we have seen so many, you know, sort of revelations about the CCP, you know, I mean, what, what, whether it's their, is their encampments of the of, of Uyghur Muslims in China, whether it's their banning of churches, whether it's their sort of the, their communist ideology of their own people, right? Sure. Like, and, and their starvation of their own people. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're the closest thing to the North Korea that's on, that, that, where only that there's not blackout, rolling blackouts going on all mm-hmm. over the country. Like they're the closest thing that we, that we get it. And they are, I wouldn't call them a foe, but they are a threat if they ever wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they ever did want to sort of, you know, preempt an attack, whether it's on whether it's a virtual attack, whether it's an actual actual militaristic attack, like mm-hmm. they they are right there, and it, and it, and it's very scary. So I don't want to give them an upper hand on anything because I don't sure. want a war, and I and I'm very I'm very. I'm very hesitant to not, you know, sort of adapt these protectionist policies to protect the American people. And I'm, mm-hmm. I am against militaristic intervention. I do not want boots on the ground in China or in Taiwan to protect Taiwan, whatever. Sure. I'm always going to be against that. I never want a American citizen's life risk. Mm-hmm. But I also have to say, I do not want American privacy rights violated. So if there are policies yeah, that we can support in order fair. that, let, 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 let's do that. You know? Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess kind of in the same realm, um, I really enjoyed this whole Speaker of the House situation. This was something that um, had continued to change my mind on the Republican Party. So um, I think Matt Gates is a little bit of a goofball sometimes, but um, I really came to admire him after this because um, my joke was that um, a lot of Republicans will do absolutely anything to wash Trump's um, you know, private mail parts. <laughs> They're absolute partisan hacks for him. But this time when I saw you know Lauren Boebert who could be a little silly sometimes, Matt Gates and you know Thomas Massey and what was it like twenty other Republicans yep. go out and go against Trump's wishes on this. I was like, holy crap, they're not a monolith just under Trump. This is something that's very, very um admirable that they're doing. Um, another thing that was admirable, but I think was a bad move, was Marjorie Taylor Greene's decision to go all in on Kevin McCarthy. So um there's two respects to this. It's very admirable to see her stand up against her peers and do something that she knows is unpopular, as in 
um, you know, go for Kevin McCarthy against people like Matt Gates and people who typically vote like identically to her. But I felt like this is a bad hill to die on because Kevin McCarthy just says, well, we won't write a blank check to Ukraine, but we're going to give him $117 billion. And Marjorie Taylor Greene has been beyond amazing on that. She's one of the best Congress people on the Ukraine issue. But to see her go a full-throated endorsement for Kevin McCarthy with two Ukraine pins on his jacket, um, a, a lot of her criticisms now don't seem as legitimate because you're not putting your, you know, somebody who's been vehemently for this war, um, you're not putting his feet to the fire. So um, I'm curious what your thoughts are and um, kind of how you saw that whole situation. The speaker situation was fascinating because I, mm-hmm. I, I think it was an essential moment in the history of the United States Congress. Sure. I mean, it was, it, was one of the, it was one of the first times we've seen a, a party hold their own accountable, which is an amazing yes. thing to see. Um, you know, the, the, the people don't realize that the, the, the 20, I think it was the 22, that, that actually stood up against Kevin McCarthy changed the history of the United States Congress forever in the rules package. I mean, you, you were asking a vacation of, uh, you can hold a no confidence vote of a speaker with one vote. Um, we had, we saw a $75 billion cut to our defense spending. We are witnessing, um, you know, two of the main funders of congressional campaigns, the club for growth and the congressional leadership fund say they're not going to get involved in primaries. They're going to leave it up to the voters more and contested wow. swing with swing state races. I mean, okay. we are seeing some of the biggest changes in the history of the United States Congress because of these 20 mavericks okay so i i am with you i am i i thought it, w- it went a little bit more too far on some levels with with gates and bobert and others when they just were st- there was there was just about four or six of them left and they're like all right dude like we've got what we want we had the policies that we wanted to have passed mm-hmm. it's time to just go ahead and just either you know vote for them or not vote let's get on with it i thought it went a little bit past probably what it should have sure. um but in that same fashion i think that it's also an admirable thing that some of these people wanted to plan Right, like Ma- Thomas Massey voted for Kevin McCarthy. I don't know if you knew he that did. or not. He, he, it was he, it was he, what the third round he finally did. Right? Yeah. So so uh, yeah, I think okay. he I think he, he didn't vote for the first one, but he finally voted for Kevin McCarthy because because he, he pretty much said we don't have a plan. Like if Kevin McCarthy isn't sure. the speaker, uh, he, he I, I admire Massey so much because yes. he gets infuriated when there isn't a plan, and he gets infuriated when there isn't a set policy, and he gets infuriated when there's not clear plans made. Because right? he's a genius. Because he, he, he's, he's fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, so I, in the same way with Green, with, with Green, I think that Green and Massey kind of are like, we don't love Kevin McCarthy. Like, I, I know she says that she endorsed Kevin McCarthy and everything, but it's really like, all right, we've had months and months and months and months and months and months to prepare somebody else, whether that was Jim Jordan, whether that was Byron Donalds, whether that was um, Kevin Hearn. Like, we had these candidates, and now we're just now decided to vote on him like three or four days before the election. Like, we, we they also taking their lumps, right? Like, I guarantee Massey and Green both more than likely voted Andy Biggs for speaker in the, in the caucus vote about two months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can, I, those are secret ballots, and I have no idea if they did or not. Um, because they never come out and then fully thrown endorsed, you know, Biggs. But I pretty much guarantee they did. They're pretty much the entire Freedom Caucus supported Biggs. So um, I think those two were also going, okay, let's take our lumps. We lost. Now it's time to say we're going to go against the Democrats. We're going to elect a Republican speaker. Sure. So that's also admirable. I admire that, that they were probably – you know, fully behind Andy Biggs and probably voted for him as a, in the House Freedom Caucus, all that kind of stuff. Like they were probably all for that. 
Um, but also willing to go, we lost, let's take our lamps, let's move on. So I have an affirmation to, for both. I think Gates is fantastic. Um, yeah. I, Gates is so good on some of the issues, whether it's it, it's decriminalization of marijuana, whether it's anti-war, anti-interventionist foreign policy, whether it's anti-nanny state, you know, calling for the pardon of Edward Snowden and mm-hmm. Julian Assange and being against the extradition of Julian Assange. Like he is so great on so, so, so many issues. And I think people don't know, there, there are many libertarians that do that hate Matt Gates. I don't really know why, because he's about as a libertarian as a guy you can get besides Thomas Massey and maybe like Tim Burch and a couple other people like that. Um, I think it's because, like you said, he's so bombastic and so supportive of Trump. I think that's what kind of dissuades libertarians yeah. from kind of going to him. Um, but I think there's so many members of the Freedom Caucus that are just like Chip Roy is an absolute masterclass. Like he negotiated these sorts of policies and these negotiations. But like I said, they not only changed the way the 118th Congress is going to work, but he changed the history of those negotiations, changed the history of the United States Congress while still getting a Republican speaker elected within three to four days. Like that is that is so, so, so admirable. Like he, it, it is not like we struggled and not having a sp- all, all this f- fake outrage and that people do not care who the speaker is. I could have told some that they wouldn't even know when the speaker vote was if the C-SPAN wasn't live streaming it for the world to see. Yeah. So the, 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 none of, of DC, the only people that worried about who, when the speaker was going to elect it is those bureaucrats in DC. They don't, they, they don't give a shit as much as me and you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, a lot of people wanted to paint it out to be an embarrassment of the Republican party. And I thought it was the exact, completely the exact opposite um the only the only people that were even getting criticized on social media were the ones that was voted for mccarthy and, and i think a lot of them had perfectly good reasons Gr- marjorie taylor green hasn't been on a committee in her in, in her tenure in the congress because she was taken off by the democrats like she has not been able to serve on committee of course she doesn't want to you know piss people off because she wants to serve her constituents she wants to be able to come to dc and do her job okay i, I understand that people were like well mtg is not part of the establishment now and i i just i think it's so stupid i mean this, this woman had pretty much was punished by bureaucrats in dc punished by the democrats has been robbed of her job she might as well be a state representative in georgia instead of being a member of the federal government because she is not allowed to do her job at all because of the democratic congress they took her off all of her committees then the only people she's allowed to even caucus with the republicans she doesn't do anything besides pretty much sit in her office and go to meetings because she's not allowed to do anything else as a congresswoman that's it i i don't even understand like if you're going to strip somebody of community you might as well take away their salary because they're not doing anything. They're going to they're going to DC to sit in their offices and go to meetings with representatives of fundraisers. You're literally just giving her more time to fundraise and win her elections. Like it was one of the same with Paul Gosar. It's one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen in the United States. Cars taking anybody off committees, period. Whether it's whether it's Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, or Green, whoever's had it threatens the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Because you're literally just giving them taxpayer money for nothing. Um, there's my rant about that, but no, that's okay. But 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 I, I it, it infuriates me that people there were so many Republicans on both sides of the aisle going, well, Green's part of the establishment, and now that you know Gates is a martyr and he's an embarrassment of the Republican Party. What, thank God we're finally sharpening iron with iron. Like we're not just seeing moderates versus firebrands going back and forth. We're finally seeing, you know, the firebrands disagree on something and even some moderates. I mean, Matt Rosendale isn't this just firebrand conservative. I mean, people don't even know who Matt Rosendale is and he's against Kevin McCarthy. Um, I mean, I mean, you're seeing crazy support Kevin McCarthy. You're seeing moderates, the people who are kind of in between. I mean, Chip Roy is this sort of, this guy who's going on Fox News all the time and you know saying all kinds of crazy stuff, but he's against Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing somebody like Jim Jordan, who 
pretty much everybody knows Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy do not get along in any shape, form, or fashion. Pretty much anybody who pays attention to Republican politics at all knows that. And he said, all right, this is over with. I'm voting for Kevin McCarthy second round. Okay, he supported him from 2 to 15. Okay, so we're finally seeing a little bit of unification. We're finally seeing a little bit of disagreement that actually ended up in being positive. Um, people think it's an embarrassment, and man, I just do not see it. I think it was as positive of a change. I think it was great to see debate on the House floor for once. Thank God. Like, it's always Republicans versus Democrats on those things, and we're finally saying, wow, holy cow, like the Republicans are arguing with each other about something. Thank God. Like, finally. I wish it, I wish it was on war or marijuana or something or <laughs> nanny state or something else, but I'm glad to finally see debate and discourse as a former debater. It's good to see that on the House floor, and especially intra-party stuff. We never said Democrats would argue about anything. Like, it, it, was, it was like when the squad wrote that letter about, you know, backing off and kind of auditing and saying we don't want to support the war in Ukraine anymore, and as soon as Pelosi said, no, and they withdrew the letter. Like, like that is what we're so used to seeing out of the Republicans. Is like we have to be, we, we have to, you know, put the crazies on the outskirts and move forward. But this, these twenty people stood up and said, "Nope, we're not against the status quo. We're against Kevin McCarthy, and until you give us some for sure conservative policy solutions, we are not going to vote for him." And they got it, and he was he, he was he was speaker. So. Not only did we see debate, not only did we see you know, negotiation, we actually saw a result out of that kind of stuff. And that's that's all I want to see out of Congress are results. Yeah. Um, I, I actually didn't know some of those changes, and that's very, very admirable. And um, like I said, this whole situation really did kind of make me a little bit more optimistic about the uh, Republican Party. So um, I guess something else I kind of wanted to talk to you about is uh, the race here in Pennsylvania, Blake Masters and some other candidates. Um you seem to have a little bit more, as I was alluding to earlier, a little bit more of like a grounded down to earth take, because it seems like everybody, the new thing is when an election doesn't go the way you like, you just say fraud until um, people give you enough attention and money, because, you know, this, this is what happened in 2020. Trump cried fraud. They raised $240 million and only spent like 40% of that on actual investigations on the election. So yeah, I'm sure the money went somewhere, but <laughs> that's a lot of money and not a lot of it spent on the election. So um, Carrie Lake used to be this huge Obama supporter too. And now all of a sudden she's just for Trump, which seems oddly convenient but um yeah so what were your thoughts on kind of some of these races that were a little bit more contested because in my mind um i'm in southwestern pennsylvania right mm-hmm. dude I, I go walk my dogs and there are trump flags everywhere um there's a farm five minutes from my house either way <laughs> um i thought for sure it was gonna be mastriano and oz like in the bag because everybody in the blue state or everybody here was like, we're not doing 2020 again. But um, I think most people like me were probably mistaken. So I know I kind of threw a lot at you, but yeah, go ahead, take it away. No, no, you're, you're fine. I mean, I have an answer to this and I, I think that there's so many different things you can point out when it comes to a loss. I mean, it's just like breaking down a loss in basketball or football. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that happen, but the main reason to me, and people won't like this, but the main reason to me, because I hate Trump, Okay, I think when you have a cult of personality on the ballot, like Trump, right, like Trump is a cult of personality, and that comes with its negatives, and it comes with its very positive externalities, okay? So when Trump is running, when Trump has his candidates on the ballot, and his name is also on the ballot, oh, it's it's over. Like, these people are going to trounce. They take back Senate seats. They take back House seats. They win. But when he's not on the ballot— 
these candidates lose. Okay, so look, so it's just just a, a it's very short sample size, but look at the results of 2016 and 2020. Okay, Trump lost 2020. Okay, yeah, okay, so Trump lost in 2020, he won in 2016. But don't look at those races. Look at the election night November in November. Look at the election night on both of those nights. In 2016, you talk about the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Because Trump was on the ballot, because he got people out to vote, he got these independents and these Republicans who have not voted in forever or had never voted at all to come out and vote for him in 2016. 2020 happens. He loses. Okay, so – and, and I'm, I'm one of these people where I, I admit that I think the fraud conversation is – it's admirable in terms of I think universal mail-in ballots should be, should be banned. I don't think any COVID policy that allows people to vote from their house from, for any reason they want to choose should ever happen again. Um, I think if you want to vote, you should have to go to. I think if you, if you want to vote, you should have to go to the poll and vote. I don't believe if you're 20 years old or you know 25 years old, you should be able to get to cast a mail-in ballot. I think that's ridiculous. Right. So it's not that I think the election was necessarily stolen as much as I think there were laws put in place that inherently benefited Democrats. Sure. Um, and I think and and not Republicans. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, going back to going back to 2020. So so Trump lost the, ele- the election, and yet. The House saw historic gains. They had the Republicans didn't win the House, but they made enough of a gap to to make sure that they ensure that they won they won the House back in 2022. Before the whole Trump situation happened, two Senate seats were up in a, in a runoff in December. But we had one we had won enough seats and we had done well enough in the Senate elections to give us hope to win the Senate back, even though the runoffs didn't go our way. And if you look at state legislative races, if you look at gubernatorial races in 2020. Republicans did well, and because Trump candidates were on the ballot running alongside Trump, they did well. And then you look at 2018, and then you look at 2022. When Trump is not on the ballot, yet Trump candidates are running, you do not win. And that is the problem with any sort of cult of personality politician. This is just a problem with the Republican Party. It's the same reason that Obama still has not really found his successor yet. When Obama endured the doors these candidates, when Obama w- w- would run in 2008, 2012, when his name's on the ballot, Democrats do decent, right? Like they do fine. But in 2010 and into and w- w- midway through his presidency into, and in 2014, they do not do well because Barack Obama is not on the ballot, okay? He's not going to be on the ballot. So when you are relied upon somebody who is as bombastic, as polarizing and motivating as Trump is, but and you're running on his same policy positions, you're running on his personality, you're running on who he is, you're running as a MAGA Republican, but yet he's not there. Like he's not there for these people to vote for. You're going to lose more than likely. And it's not just it's not Trump's fault, in my in my opinion, like it's in in that regard, it's not his fault because he is just doing and he is just endorsing the candidates to share his vision. That's been done by every politician of the last 100 to 200 years. They don't prioritize party first. They prioritize who they want to win. And I don't blame Trump for that. I, I, I just I just wish we would have kind of learned how to appeal more like learned how to kind of because republican party voters are not going to be at the behest of the establishment like they're going to look at the candidates and republican party voters oftentimes just voted in primaries and they didn't come out to vote like like oz lost against fetterman not because okay oz is a a decently bad candidate right mastriano decently bad candidate guy who is 
you know, claim stole election and stuff like that. So, you know, hey, you have Dr. Oz who didn't even live in the state. Mm-hmm. You have Blake Masters who was a virtually an unknown person. Nobody had ever heard of who Blake Masters was before 2021. Um, so, I mean, you are they bad candidates in general? Like, are like in just terms of just checking boxes? Sure, but. Ask yourself the question, would Dr. Oz and Blake Masters and or Doug Mastriano, I don't know about Doug Mastriano, but let's just look at Carrie Lake. Let's look at Blake Masters and let's look at Dr. Oz. Do they win if Trump is on the ballot on, in a presidential election? I think so. I think okay. ultimately they yeah. do. Um, but in a midterm election when Trump is basically going, vote for Oz, don't forget to vote for Oz. Like, <laughs> no, like they're not going to because – on their own merits, they were bad candidates. Like without Trump, they're bad candidates. Let alone with and, and let alone with him, if they still can't win, imagine how bad they'd be without him. Like the, Dr. Oz has has had people on his, you know, was promoting COVID policy and was saying that you know the transgender issue is is a vocal focal point in, in the United States health and medical issues. So, I mean, to make that guy seem like he's a, a true and trot Republican is insane. Um, although I thought it was a decent idea at the time because of name recognition and in, in, in the same way that Herschel Walker. Like people say, Herschel Walker was a bad candidate. Did he end up being a bad candidate? Yes, but I mean, if you look at sports, right? Like, I I, I don't know if you're a sports fan or you are, or you no, aren't. I'm sorry. Uh, but 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 I but I very much am. I mean, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a power tee on my chest. <laughs> See, so it would be it would be like me running Peyton, Peyton Manning here in Tennessee. Oh, right. That, that, that's at least what I thought originally, mm-hmm. and then you you heard Herschel Walker talk, and then you're like, eh, okay, maybe not such a good idea. But the original idea of this hero to the georgia people and uga fans everywhere in the in state of georgia like i can't sit here and say that i blame these people for being so promotional of dr oz or herschel walker or blake masters like it just comes with politics it polarization is the name of the game whether it's a bad thing or whether it's a good thing it's the reason democrats or republicans lose and it's the reason they win if the other side is polarized themselves so i mean i i i hate i, I know that sounds sort of like an optimistic look at it but i, I just think that i don't know if, if candidate quality was so much the problem as i think just politics in general is so polarized right now mm-hmm. and i don't know if you don't have a leader like trump and they're not on the ballot that hardly any republican win i'm actually surprised it, the, it, with us doing as bad as we did in statewide elections besides new york and florida i'm honestly surprised that we actually won the house um if it wasn't for new york and florida and guess who new york and florida had they had two cults of personality in Lee Zeldin and in Ron DeSantis. That is the reason that they led their, their candidates and in their states to victory. Okay. George Santos won, for God's sakes. So if we look at those states and we look at how those leaders led their Republicans and led their candidates to victory and the lack of those sorts of candidates in other states, it is, it is not surprising to me at all that, that we, that we did as poorly as we did in, in, in swing states. So, I think a lot of people are trying to look at, like, let's blame Trump. I don't know if it's really Trump's fault, and I don't know if it's messaging. I just think it just comes with the territory. When you are relying upon polarization and you're relying upon a cult of personality candidate, this kind of stuff just happens. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a very, very um, – yeah, I think I would agree with pretty much all of that. Um, one thing that I kind of noticed also about the midterms is that it seems like blue areas got more blue and then red areas got more red. And um, kind of to your point, I think Ron DeSantis is what really, drew, you know, 
I, I don't know the correct term for it, but really flew Florida in a more red direction because, um, as you said, like a cult of personality, everybody knows DeSantis for being this decisive, um, very – very decisive and very focused kind of guy and very straightforward. And there's a lot admirable about him in that regards. And um, I do think people look up to him as kind of like the next Republican leader. And I think that he really carved his path out as that um, after 2020 and then obviously after the midterms. So um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with your point. I do think it's about the cult of personality because um, Rubio is horrible, but I mean, he, <laughs> he, you know, beat, who was that? Val Bro, Demings. Val Demings. Yeah. Yeah. He so. beat Val Demings like w without even breaking his, I think it was like over a million votes or something like that. Like, I mean, it's mm -hmm. a complete total knockout. Right. And, and that's because, again, he, he it was not because Marco Rubio is just some outstanding senator. Like, I mean, Rubio's okay, I guess. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan, but I mean, he, he, he ran alongside a guy who is as popular as a Florida politician. I mean, people don't realize that I know Charlie Crist became a very much of a pun over the, over the last few months, especially running against a powerhouse like DeSantis, but people forget he used to be the governor. Like, he used to be the governor of Florida, Charlie Chris did. And he's been a congressman. Like, the guy was popular in his state for a very, very, very long well, time. Well, yeah, real quick, during that debate, too, that was the only time where I ever saw DeSantis be really weak because – um, Charlie Chris had called him and or called out him out for you know wanting to run for president, mm -hmm. and DeSantis froze. DeSantis didn't have anything to say, and right. normally he's pretty good on his toes. He's not as good as Trump, but he can kind of punch back and be sure. pretty precise. But sure. in that moment, he looked pretty weak, at least from right. my perspective. So right. um, in that regards, you would have thought Charlie Chris would have got a lot more credit from the debates after kind of getting right. DeSantis in a frozen position. But I mean, sure. it was just a complete and total blowout but i mean right. I obviously get why well it's because of policy i mean right. when when you talk you better do well if you talk a big game you better do well if you if you talk big, you better if you talk the game you better be able to kind of dish it out and i think that the scientist talks a big game and he follows it up i mean yes. if you look at the policies he's enacted whether it's against covid whether it's anti-corporation whatever you want to kind of point to he is good at it whether it's education whether it's immigration whether it's um, COVID policy, whether it's yeah. just being anti-federal government, like the dude is very, very good. I mean, he's a former House Freedom Caucus member. He is a, a former, former military man. I mean, he just he's very good on a lot of issues. And I think that a lot of the Republican Party are hesitant of the dude because I think he is supported by a lot of the establishment. And I, I and I understand why they're hesitant. I, I, I wish I wish that DeSantis would be the maverick that a lot of people perceive him to be. I've met Ron, I've met Governor DeSantis, and I think he's a great, great. I think he's the, he is the next leader. I'm not sure if he is the next 2024 leader mm -hmm. or the next 2028 leader, but I think he is the next leader of the Republican Party. I just wish that he was able to sort of distance himself from the people that want him to run. Like there, there, there are so many people in the background chirping at him that want him to run for president, not because they believe in him, but because he's the anti-Donald Trump. And that, that, that that's what I kind of want him to – I wish he would plug his ears and just do what's well for Florida and move on. Like, like I mean, I, I understand though. Like, I mean, I, if, you, if you look at just history, you have to strike when the iron is hot. 
and I understand he is the he is the hottest thing in politics right now. He is the absolute star of politics right now. On either side, the Democrats don't don't, don't have a star, but the Republicans have got one. So I understand why he is wanting to at least think about running for president. But just for a few minutes, I wish that he would not listen to the Jeb Bushes or the or the Bill Crystals of the world and just say, <laughs> "Hey, what do I actually need to do here? Like, what what do I what is the future of my career? Like, is it best for me to run for president right now and potentially get beat in the primary?" or do I need to wait my turn and let the torch be handed to me? Like actually look at, at what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I think a bit back to the overall view of the Republican party. I just, I think the DeSantis has caught on to kind of just being just a straight talker. Like Zel- Zeldin was, had the benefit of running against possibly the worst gubernatorial candidate that I've ever seen in, K- in, in Kathy Hockle. And I think that she, I mean, she is just, Terrible, terrible, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing her pronouncing her last name wrong, but I don't care. It don't matter. I, 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 I don't care if it's Hochul or Hockel. I don't really care because I because she's horrible. Um, but Zeldin had that benefit of running against a horrible candidate. But I mean, people like I said, paint Chris out to be a horrible candidate. I don't think he was really that bad. I just think that DeSantis was that good. Like yeah. I real, that's really what I believe. It's just like you saying that Chris pointed out his, some of his weakness during, during the debate. I mean, the fact that, that, that I, I didn't even know about that. I didn't watch the debates and I didn't even know about that. Yeah. The fact that I didn't tells me a lot of what I need to know. That's how good DeSantis right. campaign and how good his policies. Exactly. Um, that's all he needed. He didn't need to do well in debate. I admire him for even debating at all. If, if, that, if that was the case, he, he's going to win by 20 points. I bet, I, I bet he would never would have debated at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that politics is just very, it's very strange right now because you don't see a lot of part of, you see a lot of partisanship, but you don't see a lot of that intraparty fighting. But I think it's intraparty fighting is a good thing oftentimes. Like I, I think primaries are good. It's ironing, stropping iron. I think the cinema situation in Arizona is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, th- I think you're going to see somebody, I mean, you're th- seeing someone like Kristen Cinema, who I want to tell people, she is not a moderate. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever looked at Christian Christian Sinema's voting record, but she's not a moderate at all. Like she votes a hundred percent in line with what Biden wants, oftentimes. Besides, like on the Build Back Better stuff, like she votes pretty much a hundred percent line more than even somebody like Joe Manchin does, or it, it, she votes more in line than somebody like Pat like, like like Murray from Washington votes. Like she is she is not a a, a independent voice at all. But the fact that she has been chased away from her own party. And now she's holding her party to the fire, right? Like she is going to run as an independent. And if, if the Democrats run somebody against her, they are handing that seat to Republicans because of how much they hate her. Like people, that is a fascinating thing. We're going to see what the American people truly think of partisan politics in that election, because if they vote for the Republican and the Democrats vote against cinema solely because she doesn't have a D beside her name, then they are sacrificing their own pride. They're sacrificing their Senate, their pride for a Senate seat, which we're bringing on, baby. Please run somebody <laughs> against her. Give us a Senate seat back and let, let's run somebody over there that's even better. Um, but but it's, it, I, we're seeing a real test and we're seeing a lot of experimentation done on how far partisanship is going to go and who is going to be held accountable. And it seems like Republicans are holding themselves a lot more accountable. Um, than Democrats have been in the last few years. And I think it's a fascinating development. Yeah, I agree. And I I couldn't agree more about how interesting the intraparty fighting is. I think that's a very, very healthy thing as well. Excuse me. So um, one thing that I kind of want to run past you, and I'm sure that you've talked about this quite a bit, um, 
when it comes to 2024 between the Republicans, um, you won't find a person who criticizes Trump more than me. But um, I'm going to be honest. I really do prefer Trump over DeSantis. Um, DeSantis's foreign policy and his time in Fallujah and Guantanamo Bay um, from the stories that I've heard, and they're just anecdotal accounts, so I'm not running to the bank with them. It's very concerning. And then if you look at his foreign policy record, I mean, it would be indistinguishable from Marco Rubio other than Syria in 2013. Sure. That being said, he's phenomenal in Florida. Um, the only thing that a governor really has when it comes to foreign policy is, um, you know, deploying the National Guard in the event of a draft or, you know, a, another war or something like that. So I, I not I don't think he would be good in that regards. But um, other than that, he's great as a governor. Um, so that being said, I feel like Trump has a little bit less instincts for the empire, whereas DeSantis's instincts are for the empire. So um I know you didn't want to hit on this too much, but um, hopefully I'm kind of approaching this a little bit of a different angle than most people do. Um, do you think that putting DeSantis as president is going to return Republicans back to George Bush 2.0? Because that's kind of how it looks to me, and I understand why people would be hesitant to use that language. Or do you think everybody's going to go back to Trump? I feel like this is a very, very tough thing to parse out because Trump's lost favorability due to, you know, his COVID policies and, you know, the pushing of the vaccine and then his candidates that, you know, his endorsements just weren't that great. And DeSantis has gained a lot of favor because of pretty much the exact same things minus the candidates um, just over the last two years. So I don't know what this, what 2024 looks like, but um, I'm curious about your thoughts overall and perhaps, you know, if Ron DeSantis is a step back when it comes to the presidency. So I'll, I'll answer that in a couple different ways. Okay, sure. so first, a prediction. Um, 2024, I think Trump wins, um, ultimately. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's at least my viewpoint from right now. And I don't think it's an evidence of how 2022 ended up going in terms of the general elections. Um, people could say all they will to how Trump's lost the party, but we lost the party with his candidates because Republicans are voting for his candidates. So I don't understand how he's lost the party if there still are nominees. Like that means when they voted for who Trump told them to vote for, let alone when Trump actually runs himself. Um, so I think Trump, well, Trump beats whoever runs against him, barring he's barred from running for some reason for a crime or something. I doubt that happens, but God, God especially with the Congress and in control of Republicans now, mm -hmm. but God forbid the, the DOJ and the deep state get something on him. Um, that's, that's entirely possible. All right, guys, um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink Sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys. Thanks.
Um, but I think I think Trump would win. I don't necessarily think DeSantis would be a step back in terms of Bushera politics, and it's not because of Ron DeSantis. Okay, so it's not it's not because of Ron DeSantis's past. There's there are plenty of things that are concerning about his foreign policy record, and there's plenty of things concer- concerning about his backers, his donors, and what have you. I don't think the Republican Party, as it currently stands, would let him be that bad on foreign policy because okay. I, I I think that the Republican Party has changed in that regard. Um, even in twenty in twenty twenty one. I mean, we saw such a vast – I mean, we saw basically the Freedom Caucus plus 20 vote, again, for the repeal of the AUF like I was talking about earlier. Um, and, and that let alone how that's going to change now that more freshmen have been elected in this term. And then 2022 – you know, 2024 happens, and then more get elected. Like, we're not – we're not – we're never going to be – unless something drastically changes, like we are bombed, and then, like, everybody goes neoconservative like we did in 2001. Like, but barring something like that happening, I just don't see the Republican Party ever returning to the pro-war party of the 2000s. I just don't I don't I don't see that probably ever happening again. Like I said, barring some catastrophe. Um, I mean, you're seeing even people who have been in Congress for a long time vote against it. I mean, and you're, and these new Republicans, every time they're elected, I mean, you have your Marcus Luttrells out of Texas, your Tony Gonzalez's out of Texas, who are going, who are always going to vote in pro-war because they served and whatever. Like, we'll deal with that. But like Anna Paulina Luna from Florida, Byron Donalds, um, Nancy Mace, who, which I don't like Nancy Mace, but she, but but, but she, you know, she's good on foreign policy. I mean, there are just so many other new breed Republicans, Green, Boebert, Gay. Mass. I mean, there's so many examples of of so many anti-war Republicans, and especially, I mean, look at the negotiations. What I said a few minutes ago, a set of Republicans. Let's let's look at the significance of this. The Republicans voted for a defense spending cut as part of their negotiations. So the same Republican Party that was the party of George Bush in just 15 to 20 years is now voting for cuts to national defense spending. Like that is unheard of. And I just don't think, and not because of Ron DeSantis again, I just think the Republican Party is now so self-accountable in terms of foreign policy. I don't know about the other issues. I mean, whether it's economics, tariffs, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But on foreign policy, especially, and as anti-Ukrainian aid, as so, as so many I've seen so many Republicans, even on the sort of moderate side of the aisle, even Kevin McCarthy went, okay, that that that's a little too much. Like even even Kevin McCarthy said, we're gonna have to see where this money's going. Like he won he wore a Ukrainian flag pin and everything, but even him a couple months ago went, all right, we're gonna have to see this where this money's going. Yeah. Like like we're getting to a point where it's becoming common sense not to do this kind of stuff anymore. So I I, I don't I don't see us for foresee us going so pro-war or and or pro-interventionist you know foreign policy pro-hawkish war policy in the future and it isn't because of Ron DeSantis I, I think you ask if you gave Ron DeSantis besides on Israel and maybe a couple other of di- di- different foreign policy points if you asked him if, if was he for the uh, support of the withdrawal from Afghanistan he was by the way he was for the he, okay. he, was, he was for the withdrawal from troops from Afghanistan when he was in Congress um, and more li- later in his tenure I think 2017 to 2018 18, right before he was running for governor. Um, but but you also saw him probably get influenced a little bit by MAGA Republicans in the, in, in the last bit of his terms, right? Like in two, from 2016, 2018, he probably changed a little bit. And like you said with Syria, like the fact that we're not seeing 
just complete interventionist war hawkishness from him and his war voting record probably tells me that he would probably go along with the way the the party's eventually going to get go to and get anyway i mean you're seeing the support from gates you're seeing the support from so many others in florida florida i mean look at florida the florida politicians look at byron donalds look at matt gates look at anapolina luna look at Corey mills i mean those four i mean i and i I was the first one of the first people to criticize when anthony sabatini was running in florida that's who i supported for florida uh, congressional district seven um, I criticized Corey Mills for sort of having a hawkishness war ad, but but then I, I started tweeting back and forth, and he told me he would have voted against against uh, for the resolution that would denounce the war in the war in Yemen, and would have voted voted against. Oh, wow. So somebody that I okay. even perceive to be pro-war, somebody that like ran this sort of veteran, like I fought terrorism overseas and I can fight for you kind of a campaign ad, somebody yeah. who wrote kind of run those those sorts of neocon ads. He DM me and said, bro, like, man, I, I'm as anti-war as anybody, and I will prove to you that I am. And he was he stood on the stage his first day in con- his first time in his orientation and said, Let's see where I'm gonna vote against this no matter what it is. Let's see where this money to Ukraine is going. And we're not gonna vote for this again as, as, as the United States uh, Congress. So even people that I am even perceiving to be pro-war are not pro-war anymore. So do I believe DeSantis would be a step back? Maybe. A little bit more than Trump, maybe it would be a little bit more set forward to the Bush, and I, I, but I don't even know if it, that's because of his his anti-war effort as much as I'm scared of sort of the people that support him, right? Like sure. the Jim Bushes and everything in the world, bad people that's in what, his ear. That's would be, and, and well, bad people solely because they hate Trump. Like that, that's sort of where, where I would be sort of scared is he would accept any help because they're willing to help him, and he kind of not looking at their intent of why they're helping sure. him. Like, that's my fear. Like, I, I don't fear, to like, if DeSantis was, if, let's just say that, in hypothetical, that, that Trump didn't run and Trump got behind DeSantis, then I wouldn't be scared at all. Let's go all in, baby. Like, yeah. let, 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 let's go with our, let's go with our, our star people here. Um, but I, I think there's so many examples that you could look to of people who voted a little bit more pro-war in the past. I mean, I mean, just I mean, I, I hate to I hate to spill speak ill of the father here, but Ron Paul vote, voted for Afghanistan inter- intervention when he was in Congress. At least right. on at least on at least on one infiltration. So I mean, do, do I necessarily think a couple of votes in Congress say, as some comments sort of dictate what he would be like as president? I don't. I just think the Republican Party has changed so much over the last even seven years that I would be very curious to see how Ron DeSantis would legislate a, in foreign policy because I think the Republican Party would not let him be a pro-war hawk. Okay. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. Um, The only place where I get concerned with a lot of these new Republicans is that um, they're great on the Middle East until you bring up Iran and Israel. Um, mm-hmm. They do have the undying alliance to Israel, which kind of comes hand in hand with being mm-hmm. very, very hawkish on Iran. And DeSantis has consistently been pretty bad on this issue as well. Um and you brought up uh, Corey Mills. Um, he called the war with Yemen a proxy war with Iran, which seemed kind of goofy to me. And he was running against, against Anthony Sabatini, who I I heard him on some podcasts and I liked him. And then the more and more I saw from him, the less and less I liked, like saying that we should execute Cuban leaders. And um, the, the key takeaway from 9-11 is an um, immigration moratorium, like stuff like that. I was like, if, dude, if you're a Ron Paul guy, you you cannot be like this dense. Like, yeah. you know this stuff like the back of your hand, but you're just being it, – it's – impressively stupid so um i would have preferred to see him instead of Corey mills but um i, I actually didn't know that Corey mills was um 
you know, kind of running an anti-war or kind of feeding more to an anti-war side. And then, you know, even said that he would vote to end the war in Yemen and also um, audit the Ukraine stuff. So um, that's actually something new that I learned. And it, it is very admirable. So, I mean, I mean, I, and like I said, I mean, that I, I was a guy who was literally, I was literally trashing him. Like I was literally on Twitter going like, you're a neocon, vote for, I was, it was right before this primary. I was like, vote for Sabatini. And then, I mean, I straight up asked him, I was like, he, 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 he kind of gave a little bit of generic answer. I'm like, I'm going to ask you two questions. Would you vote for the Ukrainian war? Would you vote to stop Ukrainian aid? And would you vote to end the war in Yemen? And I, I, I listed the exact resolution that was coming up in the U.S. Congress. And he said, yes and yes. I mean, on a live Twitter, I mean, tweeted at me and put in a capital letters, yes, I would. So I was like, all right, that's all I've got to hear, buddy. Like, you, you, you've won me over. If you win, then I'm for you, man. I mean, I, 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 that's all I need. And, and he's been great on anything else, or for the economy or whatever. He's been great. Um, but that's the kind of accountability we need from our leaders. Like, like that's, yes. that, that's the sort of conversation. Like, I don't want this sort of gray area. I would love if it's the, one of the smartest things DeSantis could absolutely do would be to address that. D d if, if he did run for president, and say, I was very, I was very pro-war when I was in Congress. My party was very pro-war, but it has changed. We have changed. We are at the anti-war party now. Mm -hmm. The Democrats want to give you know endless Ukrainian aid over to Ukraine, regardless. We, we they wanted to keep our troops you know overseas as long as they could in in recognition of 9/11 as an anniversary. They wanted to kick back the withdrawal date that Donald Trump set. Like all you would have to do is just address your failures, address your party failures, put off on the Democrats for being the pro-war party, and go forward. Like just say the party has changed and so have I. That's more admirable than anything. Absolutely. I mean, it, to, to me, when you can admit that you're wrong, and especially when you're wrong about something that is popular with most Americans, like say that, like just be like, and I mean, I mean, the dude allows medical marijuana in his own state, right? Like, like, like DeSantis isn't this old fashioned sort of 80s George H.W. Bush Republican. Like, I think that he has adapted with the times. Like, he's changed even as a governor. Like, I'm sure there are things that he fought within the first of his term that, that, that he said that was wrong. Like he's learned in, in the in the duration of his governorship. I'm sure he's changed his mind on a lot of things. So I, I, I just think that we have to look at how somebody has changed, if they have changed, and kind of how they adapt. And I think that if, if we've seen as as good as a, as a governor as Ron DeSantis is, because I thought DeSantis was going to be the run-of-a-mill governor. When, when I heard he was running, I'm glad he beat Andrew Gilliam um, or Gilliam, however you pronounce his name. Um, like a crackhead. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, when I heard he beat him, I was like, oh, great. Like a swing state governor. That's cool. Like I, I didn't have this uh, this sort of overwhelming reaction like, oh, my God, Ron DeSantis won. I, I didn't have that reaction. I was like, oh, yeah. cool. Because he was not that that great of a candidate, but he changed into the Ron DeSantis we know today. So I would be interested to see the Ron DeSantis presidential guy, whether it's 2028, whether it's 2024. Let's just see sort of how he campaigns. If he campaigns as a war hawk, then I'm wrong. Like I was absolutely wrong. But sure. if, if he is sort of giving these, he, he would not even have to me have to be a Ron Paul, Matt Gates anti-interventionist. Just say I'm for withdrawal. I'm for ending Ukrainian aid, and let's not start any new wars. And you've got my support as a Republican, dude. Like, mm -hmm. don't be like Bush, and don't be like Liz Cheney. And we're good. Let's go. Like, like be good enough on foreign policy, and let's roll forward. And let some of your other let us let give the war and the war responsibilities over the U.S. Congress, like it's supposed to be anyway, for decorations. And let's go. Let, let, you know, don't sort of you know don't 
assassinate, you know, a random, you know, somebody who's going to get us into a war and don't try to put boots on the ground to protect Taiwan and we're good. Like, let's roll forward. Um, so just, just, I would just be interested to see how it would be. I don't think it's necessarily anything that I worry about um, unless he was campaigning like that. So, sure. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I would. If Ron DeSantis came out and renounced his um, foreign policy record, admitted that he got it wrong, and um, you know said that he wanted to stop all aid to Ukraine and that he didn't want to escalate with China or um, you know continue to give a endless check to Israel, um, he would garner a lot more of my support. To be completely yeah. honest, because um, I, I think that's what's sorely needed today in politics. So um, I know we're on not a tight time limit, but I want to give you a little bit of time to uh, take a breather. So um, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've enjoyed this a lot, actually, and I've learned quite a bit. I'm probably going to have to go back through this again because um, you know, you gave me a lot more to be optimistic about with the Republican Party. And I've um, had Tho Bishop on, um, Buck Johnson, a ton of guys who are a bit more keen to the Republican Party. And um this has definitely opened my mind a little bit more. So um, I always appreciate these kind of conversations. So um, Ken, if you don't got anything else to plug, um, I got a couple last questions for you and we'll get out of here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and fire them off, brother. Cool. What does liberty look like to you? Liberty to me looks like growing. Uh, growing liberty means giving people their individual rights back and letting people make their own decisions. I mean, whether that comes to marijuana, whether it comes to just using their own taxpayer money and then not going to the federal government for useless advantages, you know, trying to give more power back to the states, right? Like mm -hmm. letting them make their own decisions, whether that's on marriage, whether that's on drugs, whether that's on red light cameras, whether that's on anything you could think of, give the power back to the states, put it on ballot measures for people to vote on. Um, trying to, to make sure that, you know, I mean, not, not, not trying to have government interference, but protecting people from the elite, like trying to make sure that people have access to their own rights, whether that's free speech, whether that's freedom to their guns, whether that's being able to say what you want to without punishment, whether that is not making somebody take a vaccine, whether that's some, not making somebody do anything, um, you know, dictated by a corporation or dictated by the government, just giving people their individual rights back. You know, li liberty overall means the freedom to express yourself and the rights to the pursuit of happiness. And I, I just want people to be able to free freely do that without interference by the elite. And I, th I think that, you know, when you hear the elite, you think, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, um, billionaires, millionaires, stuff like that. But it's, it's not it's not just that. It is mm -hmm. just the ruling class. Like it is the bureaucrats. It is the congressional members. It is the president. It is the cabinet members. Like we have so many different people who have far too much influence and far too much power over us as individuals and as American citizens. And whatever the Republican Party can do to ensure that people have the right amounts of liberty um, and not be dictated by people who, are, who ha either have more money than them or more power than they do to live how to live their lives that's what liberty means to me you know a vo the voice for liberty is holding people accountable and whether that's republicans holding each other accountable or whether that's republicans holding democrats accountable or that's the democrats you know like like the democrats like tulsi gabbard holding neocons accountable for the reform policy i don't really care who's holding who accountable but as if politicians or people that we elect to office are holding each other accountable for you know american lives being lost overseas whether that's you know taxes that are are, are you know basically putting Americans in the ground when it comes to economics. I mean, there are so many different ways that we can ensure that liberty is protected. And I just want to be able people to be able to live their life, man. Like I, I, I want people, people to be able to live their life without having to worry about the government bringing down their neck or worrying about corporations, you know, pretty much corrupting their children or the elite corrupting our children. Like 
be able to live the American dream without this sort of, you know, con- this convincing that we are racist, that we're fascist, that we're, con- that we're that, or that we're communist or socialist for that matter. Let people make up their own minds, like just allow people to thrive is my definition of liberty. Beautiful. Uh, where can everybody find you? Um, you find me on, on Twitter. Uh, that's where a lot of people know me off of, at least, is at KD Cody uh, TN. And that's the, the, the TN is for the great state of Tennessee. Um, I am, the, again, I'm the chairman of the Republican Party here in Cock County. If you're ever visiting, I'll take you out to lunch if you're ever visiting here. Uh, that goes to anybody on the podcast. Uh, shout out to me. I'll take you to a really good uh, Southern restaurant. Um, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Kenny Cody. Just type in my name and you'll probably be able to find me if you can recognize my youngest babe, baby face. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's like at KDC third. You'll probably be able to find me just type in Kenny Cody there too. Um, if you want to archive all my stuff, um, it's at muckrack.com. It's a journalist archive that you can find. Pretty much every article that I've ever written is there archived uh, somewhere on the website. And I've wrote, written pieces for uh, the Washington Examiner, the National Pulse, Daily Wire, um, townhall.com, newsmax.com, Tennessean, and the Knoxville News Sentinel and the Libertarian Republic. Um, and if you just want to DM me, just talk about anything you want to talk about, man, I can't, I can't promise your years that I'll get back to all of them uh, in a timely manner, um, but I will do the best I can. Um, just uh, keep on reading my stuff, man. Um, I'm, I, I'm honest about it. I don't, I'm not paid to write. I do it all for free. I just want people to hear my voice, hear my opinions, and Hopefully people that are like-minded can uh, change the Republican Party for the better. Nice. Well, um, I agree with a lot of that. And um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm totally glad you'd come on today and uh, discuss the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Because um, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know and um, a lot of stuff that gives me hope for the future. So um, yeah, man, if you don't got any other uh, final thoughts, we'll close her out. God bless, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, one of, one of the better, better conversations I've had on a podcast. I hope your podcast grows, and I hope you have pe- people on that are spreading the message of liberty. Of course. Well, I hope so as well. So uh, for sure, make sure um, everybody listening, you like, subscribe, and share. I should always plug it at the beginning of the show, but I'm an absolute moron, so I never do. And uh, make sure you go check out Kenny's stuff. Um, he's a fantastic writer, and hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as well. So um, we'll definitely do it again. And until next time, everybody, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.